Brett loves to he'll debate anything at any time. So like, if you think he's wrong, you literally have to do a boss fight to prove yeah, it wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's like, Whoa. oh, you, th- you disagree? You're afraid of being racist. You're a reverse. Yeah. You're it's social justice work. <laughs> Welcome to the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Michael Locke, and today I'm joined by Kareem Baruke. Hello, everybody. And Brent Orange Philbin. Here we go again on Crypto Basic Throwback. All righty. Today is July 20th, 2018. We're coming at you semi-live from Florida now, finally. We are home. We've got a couple of announcements coming up. Brett, who won the recent contest? All right. So when we did the, I know it was a few weeks ago, but Mulligan Mike won. He was on Team Kareem. He decided to ask us to do an episode on game theory. That's coming out on Monday. Just wanted to let everyone know that's coming on. And just in case you forgot, if you want to see our pretty faces, head on over to YouTube uh, slash Crypto Basic. We're there. You can check us out and watch in addition to listen although the audio and is not as good and we're going to do a lot more ums and stuff like that because we're not editing it out the editing won't be as good the audio won't be as good and also we are using the term pretty faces in the broadest possible terms i highly disagree i think you're both beautiful but in any case let's get started so kareem it appears that a u.s congressman uh, has a very interesting opinion that he chose to share during a recent subcommittee meeting for the House of Representatives Financial Services Committee. What is going on here? Right. So there was a meeting on Wednesday, as you said, with the Financial Services Committee. And we have one particular congressman from California who basically used the entire opportunity to bash crypto. Now, there is going to be a little bit of a twist here that I'm going to let Brent take the punchline on. But just to give you an idea of what this guy was saying, uh, number one, he says that not we should regulate crypto strongly or you know let's be on the lookout no 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 he actually thinks that we should prohibit us citizens from being able to buy or mine cryptocurrencies so you know first of all good luck trying to stop people from mining did, did he did he say a reason I mean, how, uh, how how much floor was this guy given? Well, he's a congressman and he's part of the committee, so he had decent floor. Um, he said a reason. That doesn't mean that that was his actual reason. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so he also argued, one of the arguments that he made since you asked that question is, well, cryptocurrency is used by people who want to evade taxes. And it's also used by countries that want to evade U.S. sanctions. Now, before I go on, I want to make a quick pause here because I want to point out how completely moronic this argument is. (laughs) Because if 50% of your argument is that nations that want to avoid U.S. sanctions are going to use cryptocurrency, then how the hell is blocking U.S. citizens from buying Bitcoin going to stop them? Are you saying that if U.S. citizens don't buy Bitcoin, all of a sudden Iran or Russia are going to be like, well, Americans aren't buying Bitcoin anymore, so we can't use it to (laughs) evade American sanctions. So completely retarded. And he says, um, oh, well, actually, there was a little bit of saving grace. One of the panelists during the meeting kind of responded by saying, quote, yeah, it's true that criminals have used Bitcoin, but it's also true that criminals have used airplanes, computers, and automobiles. We shouldn't criminalize any of those instruments simply because criminals use them. 
And it's like, oh my God, logic being spoken in the House of Representatives. Say it and so. I'm just, I'm curious at his choice of items that criminals also use, just in the sense that I don't expect many people to view Bitcoin and cryptocurrency as like an ass, as like a physical asset, as like an appliance almost. And, you know, airplanes, computers, automobiles, like they're, they're just, they're so different than crypto. It's, those are weird comparisons for me. Right, right, right. Because I think instead of looking at it as what kind of asset class it is, what you should be, the connection he's making, I think, is technology. Airplanes are a technology. Computers is a technology. Uh-huh. Automobiles are a technology. So clearly, Brent, I mean, this guy is obviously sharing with us his honest assessment of the situation, right? Like there's right. no, there's no way that there would be any ulterior motives or incentives. Yeah, no, I mean, this is, look, when in the U.S. with politics and stuff like that, you got to realize that it's all pretty much honest and open discourse. So I just want to mention a little like thing that probably doesn't matter at all, but, you know, it's just a minor addition. His primary biggest, most prolific campaign donor is a credit card processing company. Probably unrelated. It probably doesn't matter. Completely unrelated. Completely unrelated. (laughs) Why are you even bringing that up, Brent? How dare you bring that up? So, obviously, you can see the conflict of interest here. And the interesting thing is that not only is it a credit card processing company that is his primary campaign donor, they also owe the United States $13 million in damages from doing something illegal. So, you know, they clearly will throw their money around if needed. What illegal thing do you think they did? What illegal thing do we think they did? They processed online poker payments. Really? They were one of those shady ass payment processors that would like sell you t-shirt companies or sell you t-shirts and that would be how you bought into online poker. Man, I'll never forget this one time. I want to say the year was probably like 2009 and I and I did a reason. It was uh, that was pre Black Friday, right? It was pre Black Friday. I I did a like a medium sized withdrawal from I believe it was full tilt at the time and the the business that had arrived in my checking account was something along the lines of like golf hut like <laughs> services it was like three random words that were just like combined together and i knew what was going on it was a shell company it was like on you know island soil and they were processing transactions for us because they the banks were not allowed to so a very small piece of me dislikes this story because there's a little tiny, tiny bit of truth in everything that he's saying, and that's the frustrating part. And that's why he's able to probably convince some of these other um, senators and or whatever their uh, the House representatives. It's just it's an easy argument to make because it's like has very tiny bits of truth to it, and that's the frustrating part to me. So anyway, I would imagine that these guys are salty as hell that Bitcoin became the primary way that you deposit on the online poker. And also they are uh, they're Anyway, they're called Allied Wallet and they are a payment processor still. They're still operating. Not only did he want to stop Americans from mining or buying crypto, he also made a, a big rant where he said that Bitcoin is a crock. Some very expert analysis back in um, back in March. Bitcoin like a, a crock pot? I, I, I don't like know food. what that is, but you don't know what a crock pot is. Well, I don't I don't cook. So. <laughs> oh, so you know what it is. If Bitcoin's a crock, uh, it's going to be a really, really delicious casserole that'll fill you up in one serving. All right. So I'm going on a rant here, guys, because... Oh, shit. Warm- right. Guys, guys, mid, mid 
recording rants. All right, for those of you not watching at home or on YouTube, Brent's taking his headphones off and ready to leave the room. <laughs> Kareem, you have no. the floor. All right, so this is one of the principal problems that we have in this country right now. And I want to take a moment just to explain, number one, the root of the problem, and number two, maybe sometimes why when I discuss certain political things, I seem to be so um, unilateral. But here's the main here's the main thing. The United States, through a series of legal court cases that went to the Supreme Court and a series of legislation, which culminated with the Citizens United ruling, has essentially legalized corruption and bribery in this country. Now, as somebody who comes from another country, I can tell you that one of the really beautiful things about America is that laws actually get enforced. That's one of the reasons why businesses have been allowed to flourish, why people have individual liberties, is because for the most part, unless you're super rich, laws do get enforced, right? But then what has essentially been happening in this country is that there's two main arguments that have been made. Number one is corporations are people. That's an actual, it's called corporate personhood and it does have some legal basis, but it gets taken too far. And then the second decision that was made specifically during Citizens United is that political contributions or political spending is considered free speech so that any limitation on corporate spending is considered a violation of free speech, which is obvious bullshit. So what ended up happening after the Citizens United ruling, which happened in 2010, is that all of these political spending groups, they're called super PACs or PACs, they can essentially raise unlimited amounts of money. And yes, they technically can't just donate it to somebody, but they can spend as much money to try to get somebody elected. So here's the situation with this guy. This person, this quote unquote congressperson, he doesn't have a genuine opinion on cryptocurrency. He doesn't have an educated opinion where he's looking out for the interest of his constituents. He's essentially been bribed by a company that's going to profit directly from trying to stop this, and therefore he's spouting off at the mouth. And listen, it's the same thing. You could have disagreements between liberals and conservatives, but for example, the idea that global warming is fake is not a genuine conservative position. It's just simply a result of the fact that the fossil fuel industry is directly funneling the campaigns of the politicians that are coming out and saying, global warming? No, never heard of it. I don't think it's true, right? So we're, we've essentially gotten to the point where we've legalized corruption and you could just go through the process where a company can go to a guy and say, here's $250,000 to fund your next campaign and you just repeat what I tell you to do. Now, has this been a problem for a long time? Yes, but the reason why it has is exacerbated. And if you're an American and you feel like corruption has gotten insane, it has because pre precisely because of something like this. So this is just emblematic of the the core problem that we have in this country, and, and it's systemic corruption, not Donald Trump or some other shit. It's systemic corruption. That is very well put and excellent stuff. But what I'm really dying to know is who is paying Kyrie Irving to say to the world that the world is flat? <laughs> I have, like somebody has an agenda there and I don't know what it is and I just have to figure it out. Now, sometimes people are just stupid. I mean, there's nothing you can there's nothing you can do about that. The the fact that anyone thinks that that exists means that when you're arguing against people who are not that stupid and they have a position, they're not going to change it. Like it's very interesting with the way beliefs are ingrained. Like he just thinks the world is flat and doesn't look like a basketball. But <laughs> I want to point out one more thing about this whole thing. The reason a real easy way to see that this guy is clearly doing this because of his campaign donor. He is a California Democrat. 
Like, if you pulled every other California Democrat, they would all say cryptocurrency is fine. <laughs> like, they just want to regulate it. That's exactly their, like, unified position across the board almost. And this guy is like, no, no way. So you can see that even with his, like, against his party line here is because these guys are his biggest campaign donor. And it's disgusting. For the record, it's disgusting. I don't care if it's allowed. It's a lack of any kind of moral character because he did swore an oath to represent his constituents. The reason we feel like it's gotten worse is because it has gotten worse in the sense that like when something like this is originally held up and good to go, you're not going to just immediately just start bam, bam, corruption, corruption, corruption. You're at first you're going to do like you're going to do it for what it's meant for. And then eventually it's going to be very clearly used for the bad thing that it shouldn't have been implemented for. So like like a lot of things, like a lot of centralized companies will do that. They'll start out with the person's interest or the consumer's interest at heart and they will, you know, do good things. But then when it when they finally have a an incentive to do the wrong thing that's so strong that they can't ignore it, then they will. Yeah. And then just as a just as a little like extra addendum, recently, just obviously the last 48 hours, a new cycle in the United States has been really crazy because of the whole Trump-Russia summit. And hidden under all of that, they just recently, his, um, his IRS and his Treasury Department just recently passed another rule, which basically makes it so before at least people had to report where the money was coming from. Now they made it even more difficult to obfuscate that. Now they're saying you don't have to report anything. The IRS is not going to collect information on anything. So if you donate half a million dollars to a super PAC who is dedicated to convince the world that cigarettes don't cause cancer or that fossil fuel emissions aren't causing global warming, you no longer even have to report that you did that. So unfortunately, it looks like things are going to get worse before they get better when it comes to this specific uh, subject. I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but I do have a quick question for you. Do you guys believe that the corruption is actually getting worse or do you actually believe that we're just seeing more examples of it in our faces? No, the corruption is undoubtedly getting worse. And it's a direct result of the Citizens United ruling that happened in 2010 because it opened the floodgates. And look, for anybody that's listening, that's familiar with the subject, I understand that there were other court cases, which it's like a like a series of dominoes. But without a doubt, it's undebatable that that was the first domino to you. No, that that was the last major domino. There were other dominoes, but that was the big major domino, which that that one basically got rid of all the rules. Once that court case was decided by Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy, a.k.a. Swing Vote, a.k.a. I just retired uh, to let somebody else pick a judge I picked by my hand. Anyway, that's a forget it. But that made it worse. There's no question. And look, and here's the last thing I'll say. I'm not saying that corruption has never been worse. There are times in our history when you can go back. I, I meant recent history. I'm obviously, correct. I'm not saying. Correct, correct. I was the, referring more to like 90s to present. It's definitely the worst it's been in the last 100 years in America. It's not even close. Hopefully somebody can get that heading in the right directions. And I'm going to get this podcast heading in the right direction. Brent, you're up here. Uh, so last week when we were recording, it looked like this Coinbase news kind of came out very shortly after. That happens to us sometimes, not a big deal. Um, what was the story? So there's a there's a couple stories. The story that came out like right after we released the episode was that Coinbase made an announcement that they were 
intending to look into supporting the following coins. So instead of having that thing where they just drop a bomb on the world and say, hey, we're bringing this coin into existence, they said, we are going to possibly be looking into these. So when you say see different things in our APIs or stuff like that, you'll know that it's because of this. Uh, they chose... Br- Brent, real quick, I, I just want to like talk to you about something real quick. Um do you think that there is a better way for Coinbase to handle a situation like this than how they did here? I'm curious your thoughts. Uh, no, I, I, I actually kind of like this. I don't like the fact what they were doing before where everybody internally knew they were doing something and they had to trust all those people not to say anything. So if they say, look, we're going to support these coins, which the, the coins are uh, Cardano, Stellar Lumens, Zcash, 0x, and Basic Attention Token. So it's those five that they've been talking about. If they've said that, then when one of those comes on the exchange, we can't talk about insider trading or anything like that or about the people leaking. Now, they might be able to leak the specific day. But if you already knew Cardano was coming to the exchange at some point, then theoretically that should already be built into the price and there shouldn't be a massive like hike. Yeah, I just wanted to – this situation is a little bit different than some of the other types of announcements that we've discussed. And I, and I brought up that previous point for the reason that you know, we want the listeners to think of things in a, in a very strategic way. Coinbase is in a situation where I feel like they have very few right ways to handle this. They're, they're very large. They have a lot of influence on the industry. Every step that they take is going to cause a ripple effect throughout our entire industry. Now, it, that's why it's very important for them to say, here are what our intentions are. We're not going to make any promises on it. And that's very different than something like Tron that we've made fun of for hypes of announcements, where this kind of is an announcement of an announcement. But I think it's the only right way for them to handle it. And I just think it's different to remind the listeners why it's different. Two things right off the bat. Number one, I would disagree that every step they make makes a ripple. <laughs> No ripple. Well played. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but that, you, you may have noticed that ripple was not one of the coins, and we're going to talk about that. But go ahead, Green. Yeah. Um. The second argument that I was going to make is that yes, this is an announcement of an announcement. But let's look at the differences here. Number one is, let's say, for example, we're very critical of Tron for making announcements out of announcements. But the difference is that Tron is being self-serving, right? An announcement that boosts their own price so that the entire development team and their whatever it is they have, they're all benefiting from that, right? In this case, Coinbase doesn't have like a share price out there that's increasing. They are making announcements about other coins. And I would actually make the argument, I, I, I do agree that this is better in the sense that if there's nothing they can't do, right? Like any coin that gets listed on Coinbase is gonna go up in price. So at least this makes it a smoother um, spike in the sense that the news that they might be listed is probably going to cause a little bit of a spike, but a lot of people are not going to jump on, and there's going to be more time for that to kind of uh, equalize. And now when they announce that they are actually are listing it, uh, I, I guess it just, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but I feel like it creates a, a smoother upward curve rather than like a random yeah, spike. Yeah, and I'm agreeing with you that this is the best way for Coinbase itself to handle it. Yeah. So again, I want to go over that list of coins one more time. Cardano, Stellar Lumens, Zcash, 0x and basic attention token now basic attention token is pretty far down on the market cap to be included with the rest of these as eh, 0x is kind of down there too but 
But uh, the Brave this is also browser. Their second, this is their second announcement on Zero X, too. They, they introduced it, I want to say, like two months ago. They, had a, they said that they were really interested in bringing that on to Coinbase. Possibly, they were trying to work on a decentralized exchange, right? Yeah, they, they, they bought a decentralized exchange. So they're, they're working with Zero X. We know they're working with Zero X. Basic attention token is attached to the Brave browser, which has surpassed 3 million monthly users and got into the top 10 of the uh, Google Play Store. So that's pretty interesting that Brave is getting some some press, some use. They are probably the best mobile browser that I've used. It's basically Chrome, but with ad blockers on your mobile device. So I, I do like them. You probably noticed that there is no ripple as like Mike made a ripple comment. Kareem commented on the ripple comment. They did not include ripple. And we told you this months ago when we were talking about, oh, what coins might Coinbase add? We definitely talked about this on a flagship. We explained right there in their terms and conditions. They say they're not going to add ripple because Ripple's not decentralized. It says exactly what they will look at when they're considering adding coins. And decentralization is one of the things. So it should surprise nobody that they are not adding Ripple and that they are adding a Ripple fork called Stellar. So, I mean, I know it's evolved past then, but there is a very clear correlation and reason for that. That didn't stop Ripple users, though, from starting a petition for the uh, for Finra to probe Coinbase for price manipulation because they didn't talk about Ripple, they talked about the other coins. So now we're gonna get a we're gonna file a petition to, wah! Oh God! Oh no! <laughs> oh poor guys! No! No! Just because we're not no, no, centralized. No. <laughs> no! No listing here. Honestly, though, it is it is really unfair. That just because Ripple is centralized, they're not being considered on a platform that focuses on decentralized coins. That's just not fair. Like, yeah. why shouldn't they change the rules for Ripple, Brent? Ripple, uh, look, Kareem, Ripple, the company is centralized, but XRP isn't. It, it's decentralized. Oh. It's a token. Oh, yeah. Nobody controls it. I mean, I know Ripple has almost all the coins, but XRP is and decentralized, bro. Yeah, yeah, but, but whatever, like... Why are Ripple fans meatheads? I don't know, man. I just <laughs> I I can't actually explain why like my random you know things that I I don't know. Brent's brain picks random voice from some point in his life and just like <laughs> randomly implements it. I was yeah. thinking like Jersey Shore, like you know, Look, I don't know. And just to just to state the obvious, you know, just to make it clear where we stand on this, we are not saying and and as we made it clear in the past, we're not saying that Ripple is not a good investment or an efficient currency. Yeah, they're not or a scammer. Whatever. Anything. No, exactly. So if you like Ripple or if you think that Ripple is a good investment, that's fantastic. But asking why Ripple won't be listed on Coinbase is like asking why ExxonMobil won't be listed on Coinbase. Because <laughs> that's not what Coinbase sells. So get over it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you get the benefits of centralization. You don't also get the benefits of decentralization if you're not decentralized. So they are going to be approved to list these and other currencies. A few days later, they were approved to even use security tokens. So tokens that have been classified by the SEC as a security are going to be allowed on Coinbase. They acquired uh, Keystone Capital Corp. I, I wrote... Keystone Capital Cork <laughs> on the outline. I'm pretty like sure a, it's like Keystone a wine cork. Capital Corp, not Cork. 
and whatever. But anyway, uh, Venovate Marketplace and Digital Wealth LLC, they purchased all those companies so or acquired them. So they're approved by the SEC to list and they have expressed interest in those particular tokens. So Coinbase is interesting and uh, they're, they're, doing, they're doing it big. They're doing it real big, boys. All right. Quick time out. Bullets question, one sentence or less. I know you can't do less than a sentence. I guess you could do a word. But no more than one sentence. If you got offered a position, where would you rather work, Coinbase or Binance? Mike Lockie, go. Brent Philbin, go. Binance. Uh, Coinbase, because if I worked at Binance, I would need to know way more about coding than I than I do. And I feel like I could get away without it at Coinbase. But you could possibly be able to say, funds are safer on the next hack. Oh, that's true. Damn it. Funds are safer, bro. <laughs> All right. What's your answer, Cream? I mean, realistically, probably Coinbase, just because I could stay in the states. Fair. I don't know. Malta sounds. Oh, actually, nice. yeah. Screw that. I I would love an opportunity to work at some company where I'm making a bunch of money and I'm allowed to move out of the United States because that then I get to be abroad. M- Malta definitely on my list of places I need to visit. They it it might suck. I don't know. I've never been there, but it sounds cool. That doesn't suck. You should go trick or treating at Binance's headquarters. <laughs> All right, guys, moving on. So, Kareem, this next story, it was a – we've talked a lot about the concept of an actual blockchain versus other types of distributed learning technologies in the past. And I'm curious what you found in this Croatian university research paper. Yeah, so this was actually released in April. I'll be honest that the reason it's being included in this show is because I just happened to recently stumble upon it. Um, it was on, it was shared on Reddit. I got interested, went to go read the paper. It's nothing super in-depth, but it, I just thought it would be something interesting to share on the podcast. So this was a research paper from the University of Zagreb's Electrical Engineering and Computing Department, and they were looking at just distributed ledger technologies in general. And they were separating them into two categories, mainly blockchain, classical blockchain structures compared to the directed acyclic graph or the DAGs that we're starting to see, which um, really started going forward with IOTA, but now we've seen other implementations of it. Uh, the authors of the paper were Frederico Bensik and Ivana Zarko. Sorry, Mike, for not making Brent pronounce those. <laughs> That's okay, I'll forgive you. And... They, you like dogs? Dogs. What? Yeah, dogs. Dogs. You like dogs? I don't know what I just heard. Shut what up, Brent. That, Brent. It's do you like dogs? So, cream. <laughs> go back to your story, please. <laughs> so they separated the breakdown. So they did more so than I feel like more so than just like an in-depth research paper. This was kind of a summary comparison. And they were looking at Bitcoin and Ethereum as representative of blockchain structures. And they were using Nano as representative of a DAG, not IOTA. And they said that they picked them because they were all mature implementations of the corresponding technology. One of the interesting things about the paper, though, is that they're only considering a DAG as a structure with single nodes where each node records one transaction. That's what we see in Nano, and that's also what we see in IOTA. But I just want to remind people that we could see a higher implementation of this because as we know from our interviews with Rob Biglioni from Zencash, they're working on a block drag protocol where it's structured in the same way as a DAG, but instead of individual nodes, they're actually blocks. So it'll be interesting how that dynamic changes in the future, something to keep in the back of your mind. But here were the conclusions. It was focused on scalability. And the paper concludes that 
the main block, the main solutions for scalability that are brought forth by blockchain structures are to either increase the block size, to support off-chain channels such as Lightning in the case of Bitcoin, uh, hierarchical chains, which I believe is also talking about things like historical nodes, and also sharding, which is as we've discussed the breaking up of information, so not no single node um, or individual has to store the entire history of the blockchain. And when it comes to DAGs, the solutions uh, have more to do with coupling network usage with transaction verification. What does that mean in the case of IOTA and what does that mean in the case of Nano? That means that you are your own miner. You are verifying your own transactions. So that's how they achieve scalability. The more people there are, it doesn't matter because everybody's verifying their own transactions so the network can continue to scale. And then the last comment that they make is that it's important to always distinguish between theoretically uncapped protocols and the real world limitations that exist. So you could have something that on paper, in theory, is infinitely scalable, but the realities of you know network latency, processing power, general network conditions, um, they're going to put a limit on those theoretical limits, if that makes sense. So I, I'm going to link the paper in the show notes. It's just an interesting read, just comparing blockchain and DAG, and thought it was worth sharing. Anything to add there, Brent? Uh, no, I, I do like DAGs. I also like that uh, that we chose the word mature when we chose uh, Nano over IOTA. All right, Brent. So let's let's move on a little bit here. And uh, as per the usual, it wouldn't be much of a Friday flagship if we didn't cover Verge or EOS. And uh, looks like this week we're going to do some more EOS talk. What is going on? You know what? I'm going to surprise you a little bit here. And I'm going to calm people down and say, look, there's a lot of EOS bad talk going on this week about something in particular that they are not at fault for. Um, so... It is real easy to get upvotes on Reddit right now in the cryptocurrency subreddit. Just go bash EOS in some way. And one of the things that has happened is they've come out blaming EOS for that difficulty in the Ethereum gas prices that happened a couple of weeks ago. If you listen to our Monday episode where we talked about Fcoin, we talked about why that happened and why the incentive was there to make it happen. So the community thinks that this is eos fault because somebody who had a lot of eos who was some sort of big whale decided to create a new coin on the ethereum network and then start to trade it amongst themselves so they've never like put that coin out there it doesn't exist in any way and they started making a bunch of transactions with it to get guess what get stuff off of fcoin so they're responding to the fcoin incentive which is a scam it sucks that this person with all of this money is falling for this, but they are an EOS and they clearly are an EOS investor, but they're not like part of EOS. They're not like, yeah, we're going to attack the Ethereum network and make it look like shit so that EOS is better, which is what the community kind of thinks. That's not what's happening. They're simply, they were trying to mine the F coin situation. If you want to know why we think that's a scam or you want to know why those incentives are bad for the ecosystem, check out the Fcoin 101. But they that exchange has incentivized this behavior. And this person is just wash trading a coin that they made up with themselves. In the process, they're spamming the Ethereum network because that is the incentive they have. So this one's not on EOS, guys. This is on Fcoin. 
and the other ones that are like it. Are they scamming? Is he paying gas fees for all these transactions? Yeah. And He's also driving up the gas fees. Uh, I totally forgot, but I'm so happy that you brought up Fcoin. Brent, this is a great opportunity for you to apologize to me. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Brent. You know Brent. what you did. Wow. No, you got, no I, I'm not you, apologizing. You have to go, everybody for, has to go on YouTube and see Kareem's face right now. Brent, it's amazing. What happened? What happened during our F coin recording? I don't I, I don't Kareem, know. why don't you tell Wait, us what happened during I, the F coin recording? Well, here's what happened during the F coin recording, Michael. What happened was that I was interested in 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 this individual, so I Googled mm. him and I found an article oh, by somebody who had the God. same it was about somebody who had the exact same name as the the co the founder of Fcoin. But here's the thing, which was weird to me. Even though the article was a guy about a guy who was a cryptocurrency scammer, I was still looking at it and I was saying, I don't know if they look alike, man. There's some differences. They don't they don't look the same. And on top of that, we have no idea how common this name is. This name could be like John Smith. Well, wouldn't you know it? Brent was very frustrated with me. And that's my Brent voice. I got that from Brent. <laughs> All right. So so my version of this story is I was unable to attend the Fcoin recording episode. However, I was on the West Coast, so I was able to join for the flagship recording that happened directly after. That was a week ago. The very first conversation we have, and I don't remember which of the two of them brought it, but I, the very first conversation we have is two photos of, of Asian men, and the two of them are just arguing back and forth about whether they're the same person or not. And it was a really interesting way to wake up, and that was my morning. So to see this unfold here here's is the, just great. Here's the most important part, and I, I, I'm going to expose us a little bit. <laughs> we all have our biases, and I definitely have tons of biases. But from Brent's perspective, one of my biases is that I'm way too liberal. So he was 100% convinced that I was, quote-unquote, just too scared to be racist. You were afraid when, to be racist. When, they, when it was obviously the same person. And I'm sitting here like, no, they really don't look like the same person. And we have no context of how common this name is. Well, luckily, Crypto Basic has the wide-reaching audience, which includes Chinese listeners. What did our Chinese listeners say, Brent? Well, it, I, I, you caught me. I was No, no, no. I'm looking up his name. I'm trying to... Remember, it was like just two letters. I think it was YP. Uh, hang on. Let me actually get his name real quick so we can do this justice. Um, the user in the Discord or the actual? Yeah, I mean, I don't know his name, but the user in the Discord. So there there was a Discord user, and I'm looking up his name. But basically, he YJ. YJ. Okay, so, so clearly YJ he is, is Chinese. Like, I'm chi <laughs> yeah, he's, well, he said he was Chinese. I'm going to so, go ahead and believe him for this point. But go ahead, Brent. What did yeah, he say? He, he said he's Chinese. Uh, he does. He's a hundred percent sure that is not the same Zhang Jian or Zhang Jian. Zhang Jian mm -hmm. does that. Zhang Jian. He is not the same Zhang Jian that is from Fcoin. He <laughs> believes that there's at least half a million people named Zhang Jian in China, and uh, that. In the news article, if we had actually read the damn thing, they said that that wasn't his real name. So I didn't know that part. Using, oh, well, he was using that. He was using a fake name. Well, he's using that. Yeah, as he was his using name, like a could, John Doe. Yeah, but he could change his name too. Yes, you know, like he he could yeah, just change. He was his using name. like a John Smith. So so 
my, my confidence that that is the same person has gone way down since having this conversation. Oh, 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 oh really? Oh, really? Oh, my confidence has gone way down. That's uh, the most Brett response yeah, I've ever heard in my uh, life. Oh, my goodness. I guess that's the closest to, to an apology that I'll ever get from Brent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll be a little honest. I was kind of on the fence on this. I I probably sided slightly with Kareem that I needed to leave that open for, you know, possibilities, but uh this this is good okay, stuff. So I appreciate you guys. Look, I am still not at 0% because it is the same name and it's a cryptocurrency scammer like I know there's a lot of John Smiths in the United States, but I don't know how many of them would both be like a scammer in a very specific niche. Look, here's industry. the bottom line though. But I, I want to give the audience an insight into Brent's incredible brain, all right? Now, first of all, I'm going to preface this by saying that we're talking about a very, very high IQ brain, and I don't say that with any sarcasm, but you know the part of your brain that lets you know how sure or unsure you are about something? Like somebody asks you something and you're like, oh, you know what? I actually don't know. There's a part of your brain right. that just gives you like a little probability. No, no, Kareem, Kareem. That, Here's, part, yeah, my thing, that part of Brent's brain- It's like a range brain, of one to 100. Right, it's, right. It's a range. Yeah, that, that part of Brent's brain, just like once he's decided that he knows something, it instantly jumps to 100 and then you can't move it. It's like impossible it, it takes, to move unless there's a it wall. It takes like the 20 to 80% out. So he's either- Zero to twenty percent sure, or eighty yeah, that's to one hundred percent. There's sure. no six. Yeah, there's no twenty to eighty percent range. Anyway. Yeah. So and Brett loves to he'll debate anything at any time. So like, if you think he's wrong, you literally have to do a boss fight to prove yeah, it wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's like, Whoa. oh, you, th- you disagree? You're afraid of being racist. You're a reverse. Yeah. You're it's social justice work. <laughs> all right, we, we can move on. We can move on. But thank right, you for right, bringing right. up Fcoin, Brent. Arigato, arigato nasai, my friend. All right, so where were we, Brett? Uh, we were done with my my one good thing I've ever said about EOS. <laughs> EOS. <laughs> All right, let's move on a little bit here. So, so Brent, it looks like you found some of uh, Vitalik's difficult questions that he posed to the community. What happened here? Yep, this was on Reddit. He posted it in like some private chat or whatever. But basically, he's like, "There's here's seven questions that this community needs to answer, and they need to have good answers. And we don't right now. And we, I, I don't think we are qualified to answer these, but I think they're important to think about in the in the future going forward." Uh, he said that Bitmain and affiliated pools now have fifty three percent of the Bitcoin hash power. Isn't this a yes. really big problem? By the way, I haven't read these, so I'm just going to take a random chance to like answer yeah. them. That, yes, that yes, is a huge problem. problem. I think it's a really big problem, but what do we do about it? Yeah. The, uh, why aren't there any useful large-scale applications? Um, because very few people are working on them, and they take a lot of time to build. I, here's, here's what I'm actually going to throw out on this one. Because the incentive is to go to the next thing. Because the way ICOs work, you're selling everybody on the dream of these usable large-scale applications. And then you could just go do another ICO and make more money. So like Dan Larimer actually created a useful application called Steam or Steam it and then immediately made EOS because he needed to make more money. Like you can't make money once the product is working and you have a useful large scale application. So the incentives aren't currently aligned with the way the ICO structure is. I would also say that um, most user experiences compared to the rest of Compared to other sectors, like I understand the user experience compared to five years ago is night and day and it's getting way better. 
But still, the user experience compared to real-world competitors is pretty crappy. So I don't expect any right. large-scale adoptions. Like, can you really compare any cryptocurrency to how easy it is to use most apps? Like, not really. Mm-hmm. Why are there not yet good solutions to account security? When will we have the problem of account hacks and... S- Wait, when will the problem of account hacks and thefts be solved? That's actually two questions, which is unfair. But <laughs> yeah. So this is really eight questions to the community, but I don't have any way to answer that one. I mean, it's never going to be solved. You can't solve. You can't perfectly solve this, in my opinion. It can make it a lot easier, though. Like it's not as easy to hack like someone's email or whatever as it is to have them screw something <sighs> is up. Is that on accurate? Me. I don't know that that's accurate. If you take if you the- if you take the easy step of two factor authentication on your email with like your phone, it's probably very difficult to hack it. Whereas, okay, so they should add two factor authentication to. to well, it's wallet. it's on a lot of the stuff, but I, it's I don't not have the it in any of my like, emails. <laughs> if you default to, well, we have it on the crypto basic email, but if you default to Gmail or whatever, it will try to make you do two factor authentication. Uh, fun fact: probably the reason we have dictator Cheeto is because the Democratic National Convention decided that committee. they didn't. Sorry, committee uh, decided that they didn't want to use two-factor authentication when one of the best hackers in the world said you're vulnerable you should use two-factor authentication you should keep these files in a g suite so that it's internal rather than google docs and they said sorry that's annoying so literally what you just said to me happened at a large scale and allowed them to be hacked because they just refused to put two-factor authentication on their stuff dude brent brent steered me in the direction of this story and I was so infuriated. And I just want to repeat just real quick for anybody that thinks, oh, well, if they're at the higher levels of government, they must be smart. Once again, people at the highest level of government hired a hacker to help them with security. People who are targeted by the most specialized hackers that the Chinese, Russians, and literally every nation has to offer. And their response to you should use two-factor authentication was, eh, it's a pain in the ass. Let's not use that. Oh, did you get hacked by highly trained specialist? What a fucking shocker. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> like, how, how can you have that much power and be so goddamn Kareem, ignorant? It's your ridiculous. Pink headphones I take- make your rants like 10 times better, dude. I have no idea. <laughs> All right, moving on with Vitalik's questions. Sorry, another little rant there. Uh how can decentralized apps work well with a five to sec five to ten second blockchain latency? It's true. A lot of our applications could not function like that. Um, proof of work is burning billions of dollars per year, even more than all scams and thefts combined. Isn't this a big tragedy? It's also kind of you know helping create the value. So I don't know about that question. Yeah, so much. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know how I feel about that one. Yeah, that one is that one's not as uh, damning as the rest of these. Uh, what are the centralization risks of proof of stake? And that is a real thing that we need to address. A lot of the big proof of stake coins have centralization issues. Um, and given how EOS govern- governance has turned into an epic fail, <laughs> doesn't this mean that all on-chain governance, including DAOs, are fundamentally flawed? How can any DAO deal with bribe attacks, plutocrats, or other risks? What is a plutocrat? Uh, uh, rich it's people like, running yeah, the government. Yeah, who run, who run the country, basically. Yeah, like an oligarchy. These are questions way above my pay grade. Yeah, yeah. I agree. That's why I... I you know what? 
You know, it just came to mind. I'm sure that this has some major flaws, but it's not something that I had thought of before. When you talked about the risks of centralization, what do you guys? What would you guys think about a proof of stake system that decreases the marginal returns of additional stakes after certain thresholds? You know, so like, like, I, like maybe as a relation to the amount of stake in the pool. You know, uh, you're saying any stakes above X amount would receive. Less proportional stakes. Yeah. The, the right, easy right. solution, so like, they would just have a bunch of different wallets what? of small amounts. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. That's kind of what what happens with like Zen Cash and stuff. So people just make a bunch of secure nodes rather than just one. Anyway, yeah, I I don't know what the solution is. I'm really hoping IOHK figures it out because I think they can. So <laughs> democracy, game theory, yay! Yeah. All right. That, that's that's have, have we decided at a time we're going to record that game theory episode? I'm pretty excited about it, or when we're going to release it, or any of that fun stuff. We're releasing it Monday. It'll probably be released on Monday. Recording next couple days. Not sure when. Sounds good. All right, moving on here. Last story in the regular non-crypto around the world section. Uh, it looks like there's a new sheriff in town over at Goldman Sachs, Brent. What happened? Yeah, they. I don't know. <laughs> Mike asked me this question, and I felt stupid because I didn't look and I forgot to put the link in here. But I don't know what happened to the previous CEO of Goldman Sachs, but they have a new one. His name is David Solomon, and he is pro-cryptocurrency. He's even been quoted as saying banks must evolve as a business and adapt to the new environment. Talking about that. So that is also on the tail end of the BlackRock, like kind of news, kind of not news. BlackRock is the biggest uh, like financial investor like in the, like the ETF game and the funds and all that mutual funds and i think they do hedge funds too but they're they uh like released that they were interested in crypto but then like they said they weren't and then like people that work there were saying they were but then like the people who invest in them were saying they weren't and it's like a lot of back and forth non-news but uh the it kind of comes in with this goldman sachs thing like we were very close to institutional involvement and I'm interested to see how that plays out. A lot of people think institutional involvement means direct upward trend. And I'm not necessarily convinced that that's going to be the case. I think that the, the they want to make sure that they don't immediately spike all the prices. I think they're going to be very careful of how they get involved. Oh, my God. Okay, so I went to go look up what happened to the CEO, oh boy. the CEO. I should have known this because it's uh, it's a blank, blank fine. Um, he's on MSNBC and that kind of stuff all the time. Uh, the 63-year-old said that he may or may not be in the job market, but he's definitely going to take a couple of weeks off. And then check out this little puppy. Blankenfein uh, could also follow his predecessors into government. Oh, uh, he, boy. Uh, Hank Paulson, the CEO before Blankfein, left in 2006 to join the Bush administration as Treasury Secretary. So, yeah, and he might be part of a future cabinet so great. Just in case you thought that he wasn't going to do something shitty, just be sure <laughs> that he'll still be screwing you over somehow. And side note, he's also a part-time DJ. I guess you could do whatever you want when you're rich. <laughs> I actually, he he moonlights in New York as a DJ. I think I, I did see that story. I forgot about that. That's interesting. All right. Time for crypto around the world. <laughs> Hey, Kareem, remember when you were in the same place as Daft Punk and you didn't get to see them? Yeah. Wait. Oh, yeah. They played at Electric <laughs> Forest, right? You yeah. said they weren't even on the lineup. 
I mean, I, I'm assuming that they're probably some type of producer or mentor, or they probably do a lot of this for fun now, I'm assuming. Must, Must be. be nice. Yeah, when you're rich, you can DJ whatever you want. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if you're an especially DJ. when you're a retired DJ. <laughs> All right, Brent. Uh, there's a story from Venezuela here featuring your Nano. What's going on? So ve- the situation is getting worse in Venezuela every day, and uh, there was a call for donations, and uh, there was a donation of 100 Nano, which it's trading at about two dollars and change, so a little more than a couple hundred bucks. And with 61 of those nano, uh, one of the Venezuelan citizens was able to buy 300 kilos of food to give out. That is a What does that even look like? What does that even – like? I don't even – I can't even imagine. Well, looks like about 2.2 of you. <laughs> oh, mommy. That's How much is a kilo? Yeah, that might be right. 2.2 pounds? It's got to be more than oh. – Isn't it? That's two point two dollars of nano. I thought. No, I, well, no. I think that a kilo is one hundred and thirty-four pounds of. Oh, food. never mind. Oh, it's the other way. <laughs> oh, never mind. I thought it was the. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, because I weigh a lot right, less. There, than there I did is no direction in which you could turn sixty-one into. No, whatever, no, no, sixty-one. No, 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 no. I, I, I was just multiplying three hundred by two. Wait. Instead of dividing. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. I thought you said sixty-one kilos. Three hundred kilos. Three hundred kilos. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's like 640 pounds oh. or 660 pounds. Okay, I was right. No, no. Oh, my God, we're so stupid. <laughs> okay, okay. Why can't America right. use pounds Kareem, or Kareem, kilos like the rest of the listen, world? Listen, number one, I that's a rant that I'm definitely willing to have. I think the way okay, that yeah, we measure stuff in yes. America is the absolute dumbest, and I'll be I'll be yes. fully willing to admit that to anybody. Kareem, I have a serious question here, and, I, and I, there's a decent chance this is going to be pretty ignorant. But I, I'm I'm asking from an honest place. Is now like a good idea or a good time to like consider maybe like buying land in Venezuela or something like that? Like if things are getting so well, ridiculous. No, definitely, no, no, definitely not. Definitely not. And the main reason why you wouldn't want to do something like that is because part of the problem with Venezuela's government is that they can um, there's not like a lot of personal property and investment laws. So they could just annex whatever they want. You know what I'm saying? Like they can I mean I understand the argument that everything is super cheap, but it, you know it's kind of like what we were talking about in the investment theories and strategies, where like you can't beat the market unless you take more risk. You could definitely get good deals, but understand that you're doing that because you're taking excessive risk. Yeah, they could just do the thing where they're like, "This is mine, and this is mine, and this is mine," and like your thing could be theirs. Yeah, so it is two point two. I was right. I got all ninja there, but three hundred kilos. If Mike, you're approximately two point two or three hundred pounds, then three hundred kilos would be two point two of you. Well, I get so, that now. I was thinking yeah, a kilo I, I was, was right. a lot more than two point two pounds for some reason. I was thinking like, like in the tons range. Oh yeah, no, my math is not the best. All right, so the, here's a fun fact: the average monthly wage in Venezuela right now is point five nano, a dollar, dollar ten, a little more than a dollar. Yep, that is how bad. Things have gotten so the, this uh, this little donation fund they they ended up getting a hundred nano they spent sixty one of it on the food hopefully they're doing great with the other forty one that they got to help people out but that's very big cautionary tale we talk about them all the time but sometimes it helps to put into perspective just how bad that is right now yeah and also you know I I want to remind people that unlike a lot of countries who have basically been slowly coming up from poverty you know like 
it does suck, but sometimes you hear about a country where the monthly wage comes out to like $30. And if you go back 10 years, it was $15. And if you go back 10 years before that, it was even less. That's not the case with Venezuela. Venezuela was a rich country with a thriving middle class. And it's been completely destroyed over the last 10 years. So like for the people that live there, this is like disastrous. You know what I'm saying? Like, like these are people that were professionals, engineers. Like, I mean, it's whatever. It's, it's really, really sad. That turns around sooner rather than later. But for the time being, let's move on to the rant section. We should have a drop for the rant section. I don't know what it need. I don't know what it is, but we, we should have one. I'm starting. I'm shotgunning rants. Starting on me because I had some bullshit happen this week and like it's it's been a while since I've had some like bullshit happen with a bank. So pause, I'm excited pause, to pause share this. real quick. If if you ever have any trouble with a business and and Brent is a good enough friend of yours, please ask him what he would do because Brent, 100%. Brent has thought of things that like I wouldn't do to my worst enemies to people that like would be considered acquaintances. He will go to any measure. <laughs> he will do whatever it takes. He will go up the chain as far as he needs to, to prove whatever point he feels like he needs to prove, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah. And, and he knows how to work the corporate mechanisms. Like he, he just knows like, watch, this is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> so I wake up now. I, I have a lot of banks. I have simple. I have chive. I have fidelity. I have um, the Cash App debit card. I have uh, USAA. Brent, real quick. I have total deposit bonuses for all of these bank accounts combined. <laughs> how much? How much free money did uh, you get? I'm not sure. It's pro- it's probably an average of like fifty bucks per or something like that. I don't know. Okay. But it's not always why I do it because like I had USAA, but like there's the re- so I also have TD Bank. I'll, I'll just get to the point. TD Bank is the main place that I deposited cash. All these other accounts, they're all like virtual accounts, which is fine. But if I needed to actually get US dollars into my bank, I had to do it through TD Bank because they're the only ones that have the branches everywhere. When I lived in Maryland, USA was fine. I had Capital One banking when I was up there too. And there was Capital One everywhere. But here in the United States, or here in Florida, I can't do any of those things. So I opened up a TD Bank when I moved here. Uh, Again, they did have a bonus. It was like 200 bucks or something like that to open the account a couple years ago. So uh, it is also sometimes I start to use it as like a budgeting account because it's like because I put like money I can put money into it. It's often the account that I have attached as like my primary payment system for a lot of things. Uh, That way it's my spending money. Right. Well, I have been playing a lot of magic online and there there have been some expenditures to play a magic online recently and i don't know why i'm doing it but whatever i so i made a bunch of paypal transfers to go to magic online and they came out of this account so on the on the 9th on july 9th i had one two three four five six seven debit transactions with paypal and one credit and they all went in the same day well, TD Bank does what I thought was illegal, and Kareem explained to me why it is legal again. They put them in an order such that you they took all the debits out and then put the credit in. So it went, uh, it went that there was a hundred bucks in there. It went all the way down to negative forty, which caused two. It should have caused two overdrafts, and then they put in the four hundred something dollar deposit and fixed it all. So I don't remember what order I was doing things in. And I've gotten plenty of overdraft fees that I just like pay because I'm like, yeah, I'm an idiot. Like whatever. I I screwed up. But 
I look the next day and I've got $120 in fees from the account. So what this is, is so I, I call them up and I'm like, what is going on here? Like, I don't understand that. And they're like, well, you got three overdraft fees plus uh, at TD Bank, the second your account drops below $100, you get charged a fee for the month, which is $15. I have a screenshot in the show notes for everybody. You can check that out. But the end result is the person I'm talking to on the phone is like, well, I only see two overdrafts. So right away, we can give you back the one. And I'm like, okay, great. Let's, that was let's exactly that what I was going to say when I was seeing this. Like, I'm only seeing two. I'm wondering where they're finding the third one. Right. Oh, we're getting to that. Oh, I'm we're sure. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so uh, so I'm like, okay. And, and she explains to me how she can take one off as, as a courtesy. So she understands that. I'm like, all right, so let's take one off. She's like, I just did. I'm like, well, you took off the one that I'm not supposed to even have. So can you take off one more? And and then she's like, well, no, I can't do that. And she's like, I literally just don't have the authority to. I have to put you up to a supervisor. They put me up to a supervisor. The supervisor listens to me, puts me on hold, and then picks up and says, okay, we're going to, and then hangs up. I don't think my <laughs> phone dropped the call, but like they're gone. So I'm like, oh, my God. So I have to call back. I try to get the next rep to remove one. They don't. And and they put me through to the supervisor. So this supervisor is already clearly having a bad day. Like she gets on the phone. I'm super nice in these situations. First of all, uh, oh, I'm, I'm one sure. of the people that like freaks out. Like I I do I do act like an asshole sometimes. But in the beginning, I'm certainly super nice because I know that when people act like an asshole to me, I won't do things for them that I can do for them, even just because I don't like that they're being an asshole, right? So I I'm I'm giving them the, I gave her the whole story and she's like, well. Actually, you do have three overdrafts here. And I'm like, what? This is how she starts it. And I'm just like, oh, all right. We'll explain that one. And she said, see, on that day, you had a pending transaction that didn't go through until the 12th. But since you swiped the card that day and it became pending that day, it also is included in your overdrafts. If you just go to this section of your bank, you can see that. And I go to like, I click like two things and get like into this spot. That's got a bunch of my statements. And I'm like, what do you, all I see are statements here. She's like, there should be a notice. I'm like, there's no notice. What are you talking about? I'm like, they're all statements. I, I was like, I, I screenshot it. I'm like, what's your email address? I'll email this to you. Like, there's nothing here. And, uh, she didn't give it to me. So, so she's like, well, all right. So we'll remove like one more of these. And so then I'm like, well, wait, what? It, like, I don't understand. This all happened at the same time. You can't just remove them all. And I'm like, and why is this $15 here? And they explained to me. That's how I find out that it, it comes in the first day. So after arguing, she can't even remove those. So that's fine. We hang up. And now I've still got $50 in fees left. So then I call one more time. And I call to cancel my account. And they, of course, were like, is there anything we can do to get you to stay? And I'm like, I'm going to need you to re- refund one of these overdraft fees. <laughs> so I got the last one <laughs> refunded. And and I still had the $15 account maintenance fee. I didn't see any way I could get around that. And then I immediately closed the account. So I know I've mentioned that I bank a TD before. So any of you who have listened to that and thought maybe you'll do it, absolutely not. Like, fuck them. Do not bank with them. And the, I don't... None of the other bank accounts that i have even charge overdraft fees like they don't even like it's not a thing like simple you just if you swipe your card and you don't have money they're like yeah didn't work sorry like the uh, my fidelity account because it's attached to where i have my ira i think it i've gone into the negative on it before and they're just like whenever you get around to it put some money in here 
So, I don't know. It is very uh, is very annoying. It is very indicative of why the banking industry sucks. And blockchain, crypto, DAGs, block lattices, that something is going to change because this is so fucking broken. Like, it's so bad. Yep. And sorry, I'm just going to inject it in here because this is a perfect example. Yes, I understand that, you know, restrictive regulation isn't always good. But if you're one of those people that has been led to believe that regulation is always bad, this is a perfect example of where it's not. Banks are literally rearranging transactions on purpose so that they could charge you more overdraft fees. Then there was a law passed to limit them from doing that. And then, of course, based on what we talked about earlier in the show, all of these transaction companies, all of these banks, lobbied senators or lobbied congressmen um, who are pushing precisely to get rid of those rules. Why? Is there any congressional, is there any person who will seriously argue that it's good for Americans to allow banks to rearrange overdraft fees so that they can charge you multiple overdraft fees? No, it's so they can make more money. So sometimes regulations are there to protect you, not to stifle creativity. However, sometimes regulations are put in place to stop competition, and those are bad regulations. So instead of thinking of regulations as something that is inherently bad, we need to have a nuanced and educated approach which says some regulations are good and some regulations are bad. And anybody who's just trying to push you the narrative that regulations are always bad, it's inherently bad, and just destroying every regulation is good for you, they're full of shit, and they're corrupt, and they're doing that because there's people behind them that have a vested interest in making sure that you oppose regulations. My favorite part of this whole thing was that she legitimately was like, oh yeah, you had this pending transaction that caused an overdraft, that didn't go through till two days later, but that also was involved in the overdraft fees that we put in yeah, in a yeah, certain yeah. order. And Pending transaction, <laughs> of course we have to charge you for that. Pending deposit, I don't even know what that means. We don't have the money yet, so... There was no way for me to even verify what she was talking about. She's like, yeah, just go here, go here. And I'm like, it doesn't exist. Like, I'm not messing this up. I'm not, like, it's crazy. And, and of course, she got a little bit of my, a piece of my mind a little bit. Not, I didn't, like, get mad. I'm just like, does that like seem reasonable to you? Uh, I, I won't go too much into it, but I was like, does that seem reasonable to you that I you can't even prove to me that there was a pending transaction that day and you're telling me I've been charged for it? Like, what? And, and I'm like, hey, uh, anyway. Guys, quick example of like, uh, like ridiculous, almost funny uh, regulatory cheating kind of like this. It used to be once people started picking up on the fact that, you know, fat and sugar was bad for you and it was making people fat, you know, like back in the whatever 50s and 60s or whatever i have no idea what you're talking about so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so one of the cookie companies that sold chocolate chip cookies they got a great idea they just started advertising and putting right on their box that these are low fat cookies and sure <laughs> enough in the nutritional label it showed right there that the, their cookies had like one fourth as much fat as their previous cookies quick little uh, asterisk there though the cookies were also one fourth the size so they just made smaller cookies and started telling everybody that they were low fat because there was no regulation that said that your nutritional summary has to be per serving so they literally had to pass a law to be like no hold on a second you guys are cheating the consumer if you're going to tell me how much fat there is it has to be per serving so this is the same bullshit but different industry yeah 
I guess the banks need to evolve as a business or adapt to the environment, as our, our new CEO of Goldman Sachs said earlier in this episode. So uh, it looks like TD is in a little more need of uh, an evolution than others. But um, so I have a rant that I want to go on. And it's the reason why I'm wearing this hat and sunglasses for this entire episode. But um, so I was wondering about that. (laughs) I told these guys beforehand that I was going to wear it and I wanted to save it for the rant section. So those of you on YouTube get to now have a little bit more of an understanding of what the heck's got to go, what's going on right now. So before I went to Vegas one night, I was browsing online and I found this site. And Brent, you're very familiar with crate boxes, like subscription services, where, and I'm sure you have a lot of experience with this, where like something catches your attention and you're like, cool, I'll sign up for the service and it'll send me stuff every month and it'll be random and be whatever they decide to send me. Cool. And it was in a category that I was a big fan of. So side story, um, both my sunglasses and eyeglasses have been in really rough shape for a very long time. My sunglasses are prescription. I do wear glasses. And uh, so they survived this entire month-long trip that I've been on. My sunglasses needed to be super glued together, held on. They were also melted from Vegas the year before. My eyeglasses, they've been stepped on, broke. It's just been – they've been hanging on for dear life forever. I make it back home finally, and I'm ready to go to the eye doctor. I take a nap beforehand. I roll over, and I crush my eyeglasses completely, breaking, unrepairable. Like, after all they've been through, I finally get home, and I even have an appointment already to go get my eyes my eyes examined with buy new glasses. So all of that happens, and then afterwards, I find this box that I had purchased while I was on vacation. because we, ha- we had our mail held, which for those of you that don't know that that exists, it's a really cool service. Um, so we got all of our mail at, at once when we got back. And guess what type of company I purchased from that sent me this item and this item? Brian, is there anything off the top of your head that you think is reasonable? Uh, so, so for the listeners, Mike is wearing a camo hat. A camo I can't see flat the logo. Bill hat. Yeah, and and uh, just like some very generic sunglasses, like some five dollar cruise ship sunglasses. So the, <laughs> it came in uh, the Swing Golf Society box. So I decided I wanted to purchase some golf products. You know, on the website there were tees, there are head covers for their balls. There's all sorts of wonderful accessories you can get for golf. What did I get? Well, I'll just show you. This sweet camo hat, it's not <laughs> sweet at all. It pretty much doesn't have anything to do with golf. Couldn't be less. Uh, these sunglasses were so cheap and terrible that there's still stickers stuck to them that I couldn't get removed because of how cheap the stickers were. Now, I don't want you guys to think that that's all I got. There's more. Trust me, there's more. So they just Wait, Mike, I want to know before you continue, how, how much was this box? Okay, so they're, I looked they're at, usually 30, 40 bucks a month. I looked at two of them. Okay. The one that I looked at first, it was kind of like, name your price. If you send $5, they'll send you $5. If you send 50, they'll send 50. I decided not to go with that one. I decided to go with the one that was $35 a month and it was supposed to be, to, they have some cool stuff. So besides those two things, I got some Bloody Mary mix. In case you need to fire up a Bloody Mary on the golf course. That's cool. Um, you know what? That's actually a little bit related to golf. I got a Jack's Link beef jerky stick. <laughs> they just repurposed that, like a man box that they like had extra stuff from. There's your $35. From. 
Yeah, they, they literally use the same box on like four different websites that have different things. <laughs> the I actually didn't find the last item. The the and they were all listed in this nice order, all five items that I got. The fifth item was Shout Wipes Portable Stain Treater. And it was a little individual packet of stain remover wipes. And who doesn't need one of those while they're golfing? Does Literally it not the not a from single thing other than the hat that I can bring on the golf course? All and right, that's so a really ugly hat. I'm going to say right now, like, I understand that I'm an extreme life nit, so my bias is huge here. Uh, I but, deserve this. I'm fine like, with that argument. You make that all you want. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, when I look at these boxes, okay, I'll admit, there's one group of surprise boxes that I have tried and I enjoyed, and I will probably try again someday in the future when I have more money, which is, like, Blue Apron style stuff or like Harvest Box where they give you like a mix of food and you cook it and stuff like that because they're consumables. But all of these like things where it's like, oh, you know, we'll just send you a box of random shit. You just give us money every month. Dude, you're talking to a guy that like, I want to watch Game of Thrones, but I'm not going to get HBO because I already have two streaming services. You want me to just give you $35 a month to just like you decide whatever the hell you want to send me? And I don't even know if it's useful. No freaking way. But there's a lot of disposable things in golf. There's a lot of things that you could very easily get. Like even if this were just balls and tees. Cool. Like you like how can you not send me any practical items? (laughs) <laughs> on, on the first box, let's pretend every box is as bad as this. In the first box, you need to make it a little interesting, I think. Well, I think that the obvious move for you here is to go up to the next mm. level to see the best thing they have to No, offer. You need to go to the $50 a month box. No, my, my next box is going to be canceling. <laughs> yeah, these this box can go right there in the category with TD Bank as scumbags. That I, to me, oh, it looks like they literally. It's not used, a box; it's a bag. They use that box on like they have like four or five of these different subscription box companies, and they just like loot. They're like, all right, we can get these camo hats. Let's put them into the the man box. Let's put them into the hunting box, the golf box, like whatever. No, 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 no. This is this thing says. I don't know if you can see the logo here. It's, it's Asher Golf. This is a golf hat. Oh. Yeah, Brent. Okay. It's clearly a golf hat. You, I, don't, well, I don't know what Asher Golf is or why they think this hat's a good idea, but it's a really, really ugly golf hat, and it looks like like nobody would nobody wears those kind of like flat brimmed hats when they golf, right? Like eh, they no, they they do, they can, but of all the styles, I just don't see camo as being a, an efficient one. All right, Jesus Christ, what so <laughs> what, what are we talking about here? Holy crap! It's the uh, rant section. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah. My um, I remember there was a crypto loot box that I saw one time that it was like, we'll send you a random cryptocurrency every month. And I'm not even kidding. Like you gave them $30 and they were just like <laughs> deciding on which crypto to send you. That's brilliant. Like, no, no, no. How? No, no, no. We'll do that. We'll just wait. To, we'll just whatever one's up the most. We'll just send that and we'll profit. Perfect. Oh, yeah, for sure. They're going to send you the one that's up the most. Well, they might. They, they might say whatever they're going to do, they're going to send you less than whatever you're paying in value and, yeah, of course. and take the rest of it. Week one, Verge. <laughs> Week two, Verge. <laughs> Week three. There's a clip of a guy Week in the Verge day. Discord chat just like like harvesting Verge from like the random people there. Oh, Mike, I forgot to tell you what your punishment Uh-oh. is. All right. Generally, we do that at the beginning <laughs> of the episode. Yeah, I guess I'll do it next week at the beginning Uh-oh. of the episode. Did that you? way, if this idea sucks, I'll get time to work on it. Yeah, yeah that's the, what you what said last week. Bar- but listen, yeah, but I forgot about it. I've been busy. I'm. Go- I was gonna say the Bart Simpson themed one, Brent. You're the only one that knows. Oh that well, means. then do it, and then we can have Mike present the results next week. 
No, but I want him to do it on camera, so I know that he's he can't not do it on like, camera. He's got like he's got to pay attention and like talk to us uh, and stuff. Yeah, that's true. You wanted me to like be in different character the whole episode. No, 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 not be a different character. So you know how at the beginning of The Simpsons, uh, Bart's in trouble and he has to write like on the board, <laughs> like when back in the day kids would get okay, in trouble. Okay, okay. So so here here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a full size notebook. Okay. Okay. And then I want you to start writing across the top. I won't invest in shit coins. Over and over and over again, right? All the way. I want you all to right, fill the right. whole thing no, by no, hand. I, that's fine. No, no copy pasta. No, no, that's fine. My, my And then you're going to take a picture like this with the thing, but you have to make a sad face. You can't smile. And then I'll do something with that picture. All I don't right, know yet. I don't know what yet. Um, now, just very small clerical question. And I feel like I'm free rolling myself here, but I'm going to make sure you guys get what you're looking for here. Yeah, uh, you know such I'm a good, good sport. sport. I will give you credit for that. You're always I'm a good always, sport. Absolutely. I'm always a good sport when it comes to these things. Now, let's just hypothetically, I think most, uh, there's like 32 lines, I want to say. Um, do you want me to write, when I hit the period, do you want me to hit enter and go to the next line? Or do you want me to keep writing across and do word okay, rap? Well, first of all, by enter, this is handwritten. I just, I'm just making sure. I, okay. Okay, well, you said yeah, enter. What, okay, I enter. also could have said, do you want me to start over at the next line? Or I could just say hit enter. He oh, wants no, the no, whole no. page, it's, it's just, so word wrap. It's just continuous. So you start here, and you write, I will stop investing in shitcoins, period, and then you'll continue just from right there. I will stop so investing word wrap. in shitcoins. So word wrap. It'll keep going. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sometimes yeah. I see them in a direct line straight down, and that, that would probably be a little better to the eye, but maybe the word wrap might be a little better for punishment. So I'm okay with it. I just want to make sure yeah, you yeah, guys got what you're looking yeah. for. You got it. <laughs> yeah, so this, this, is, this is what we're looking for. And then... Uh, you know, we'll do something with that picture. I don't know what yet, but we'll make sure it's something fun. I'll make sure that I'm... You want me to just take a selfie or something? I'll wear a Crypto Basic shirt and... Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. As long as you're holding the thing there and, uh, you know, and hopefully sad. you don't like outsource this to your kid or whatever. I know people that have kids get to do that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> you have to do it yourself. <laughs> I, I don't mind doing my own punishments, guys. That's not, That's That should be the least of your concerns. No, 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 I know. I, that was just more of a joke that a lot of my friends that have kids say that the best thing about having kids is that you can make them oh, do chores. Oh, I outsource which, as many things nice. as I can. You have no idea. Like, Yeah, yeah. I'm, that's the first thing Unless I would you do. Had my parents did kid. it to me. That shit didn't work on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you <laughs> you didn't grow up in my household, Brent. Go cut I, the lawn. I will need $5. Present it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to, you know what? Yeah. Next time. My dad would have been like, my dad would have been like, you got it. So you owe 500 of rent. Now you only owe 495. A couple of more chores and you'd be halfway there. <laughs> I'm going to ask Pat some questions <laughs> next time I see him about what Brent was like <laughs> as a kid and how he claims he ran shit. I'm going to see what Pat has to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> preferably uh, preferably right. at around 7.30 p.m. That'd be the ultimate time to have that conversation. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to wrap it up for today's edition of the Friday Flagship. Thanks again for tuning in. Hopefully you checked us out on wherever you listen to podcasts, download, subscribe. And this is also going to be on YouTube. There's a lot of uh, visuals this week, so please check that out. Musica, musica. Right, you're supposed to start I, playing I the music while he's talking. I know, but oh, I can't find God, it. You, you have one job. You literally have one I mean, job. You have one job, Brent. I mean, like, there's a lot of sub jobs within that job, but Jesus, just. (laughs) All right, all right. Here it comes. There we go. The members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors. They're idiots. One of them will stop investing in shitcoins any moment now. 
And we love you guys. We really do. We really do.